I went to climb up and two big slabs of rock came down and they, you know, hit my legs and the first one really banged me up, up into this cliff face and the second one snapped my knee. Hello and welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast. I have a shorter one for you today because my guest and I were trying to navigate families, noise, work, and then for the first time ever, I tried to like pause the recording device and then didn't record. So we had to sort of go through the beginning part really quickly again and then record again. Anyways, doesn't matter. Great content coming up. So Robin was somebody that I wanted to interview for a while because I have sort of been watching her running journey from the outside and I think she might even not realize how much of an improvement she's made and how great her accomplishments really are. So I've known Robin for a long time from a completely different sector of life and I've always known her as a very high achiever very smart and fearless. So she has had a few different careers in a few different places and every time like from the outside seemingly instantly is promoted to director or something that is out of this world when you are 20 something. So when she started running it was really interesting to me to see someone who was used to finding success so fast have to be patient because your body just can't become a runner overnight and whether or not that would be an addictive project or be very challenging and I think it was a mix of both which makes it really satisfying in the end so we both had our children around the same time and we started going for jogs together and they were very short like four or five k sometimes and a very easy jog pace and it was just to get out the door and both of our children just turned four and she just completed a 25k trail race with over a thousand meters or approximately 3,000 feet of climbing which is and a really tough rugged trail race at that so when you think about the progression from kind of walk jogging 5k to being able to complete that race it is pretty amazing and she also talked about how she came mid-pack which is kind of the goal that you would hope for So it was really fun to hear about how she navigated getting into the trails from sort of a city life because she's moved to a really kind of outback area. And that is a huge question that we get all the time. So there was a lot of fun things, a lot of great content to come from this. And it's just a really cool, inspiring story. So a couple of admin things. If you want to find a backlog of information, um, sorry, of information of episodes. You can do that on the Patreon. So you can just search for Trail Running Women there, or it is the link in our Instagram, which we finally have a podcast Instagram at Trail Running Women Pod on Insta. So please go find us there. And if you have guest requests or questions for trail tips, that's where I'm keeping all of the running stuff organized together because my personal has become kid spam where I lose DMs and all of that regular stuff. Also on the Patreon, I this week I promise I'm putting up a race recap of Fat Dog and the reason it's taking me so long is because I can't explain it (laughs) I've got so many thoughts on it and almost no thoughts at all so it's really just been sort of living in the back of my mind but it's not something I want to put on the public pod yet so it's only going to be in the Patreon for the special listeners we'll put it that way huge thanks to everyone who's leaving us five star reviews they mean so much to me especially those well everyone but the ones that say that listening to you women has 
inspire them to sign up for their first race is so awesome because that is the point of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Gooder Sunglasses. So as you all know, they are no slip, no bounce, polarized sunglasses that are so perfect for running and any other sport, but they also offer 30 days returns and one year warranty. And my favorite thing, they're 100% carbon neutral. So every time I go on their website, they have something new to look at. And right now they have new bright neon colors, do Android's dream of electric turtles, disco desert dust and howling at the neon moon obviously those are pairs you absolutely need to check out so you can decide if you suit best the circles the ogs the runway or the snow g and make sure you get three or four so that you're ready for any type of situation any type of terrain and any type of sunlight and most of all you're going to be prepared to have fun on every single run use discount code TRW for free shipping on as many sunglasses as you'd like. So discount code TRW gets you free shipping at gooder.com. Go check those out now. So that's it for today. Enjoy Robin. I'm here today with a guest that I've been trying to chat to for a long time. And I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. We just got five minutes in and I realized that it wasn't recording. So we are going to go through the intro again, but I'm speaking to Robin Rowley, who is an old friend of mine and also somebody who just recently did Broken Goat as their first trail race and is relatively new to running in the grand scheme of things. So has a great story about getting into the trails, getting your first race done as well as a recent episode with Search and Rescue. Uh, so I'm excited to get into your whole story. So thank you for your patience and welcome to the show, Robin. Thanks, Hillary. So as we normally do, let's back up a bit with your story as a kid and your relationship with sports and running because you did not find running until you were 35 years old, which I think is actually quite common, especially for trail runners. So were you an athlete as a kid and did you enjoy sports? So I was definitely not an athlete as a kid. I hated PE. I hated sports day. I really dreaded anything kind of athletic because I did not find myself kind of naturally gifted at it. It was hard. It was embarrassing. So I really avoided it to the best of my ability for most of my childhood. Yeah. And as I mentioned, kind of in our first episode, you have some really amazing achievements in work and school. And when you're dealing with sports, if you're not good at them naturally, it's really hard to find the patience specifically with running because there's just changes in your body that take a long time to adapt to. And I think that's one of the really interesting things that keeps people motivated long-term. So it's fun to see you put in the effort over the years and get the outcome that you got at Broken Goat, which is pretty cool. Um, so let's talk a bit about what you got you into running when you were 35. Yep. So I had just had my first child. I had my son and I really wanted something that was just for me because I found I was giving so much of my time and energy, you know, to my family, to my child, to my work. And I was feeling a little bit stretched, a little bit burnt out. And so I started running because it was something that I knew was good for me, but also that I could do by myself, you know, when I had time, wherever I was. So it felt like a really accessible outlet of something that I could do, you know, just for me. Did you find as you got into it this time around that there was 
in any sense sort of a relief that there's no expectation to be the best or good at it like everything else? I definitely did. Like I was especially challenged by team sports when I was a kid because I care, especially, you know, when I was younger, I cared a lot about what people thought of me. And so when I wasn't naturally good at a sport, it was really hard for me and really embarrassing. But with running, especially because I was running alone for the first couple of years, there wasn't any outward pressure. I was just out there doing it at whatever pace, whatever distance. Of course, I did like to see, you know, improvements myself, but I wasn't holding myself to the same benchmark as I would have in a more kind of public setting. So we chatted a bit about starting on the roads and a little bit of trails. And then I know once you moved to Nelson that you got more involved with the trails. So tell us a bit about your your move there and how you found trail running. Yeah, so I had been running on the on the streets in Vancouver for a couple of years by that point. I'd done a little bit of trail and I really enjoyed it. I've always been a fairly outdoorsy person. I love hiking, canoeing, camping, all that fun stuff, skiing. And so I love being outside in the mountains and especially in the mountains outside away from people. I find it really soothing. So I moved to Nelson, which is, you know, a small town. It's 10,000 people in the middle of vast wilderness. And so there's so many trails here that are so quiet and unknown uh, that it it's actually easier here, I would say, to trail run than to run on the streets because there just aren't as many streets. There's way more trails. And so it was really a no-brainer to switch to trail running since I enjoyed it more and it was more accessible. Did you think you were going to get as involved in trail running as you did or did it just sort of snowball once you got there? I think it snowballed once I got here. Like everyone in Nelson is very motivated by lifestyle. Like I think in a lot of cities, people get caught in this trap of work and that's what kind of motivates them first is their career and progression in their career. In the Kootenays, in Nelson everyone's much more motivated by their, their sports or their passions. And so everyone you meet is, you know, doing something epic or training for something epic. Everyone you meet is doing all these amazing, beautiful things outside. And so it was really inspiring for me to kind of go further a little faster so that I could do more and explore more. And I think the other thing that was so motivating was like, I'm new to the area. So there's so much that I haven't explored. So having trail running, as my activity meant that I could take, you know, the days when my kid was in daycare and I had the day off work and go explore the area and see more than I could have if I was just trying to do a hike or if I was trying to drive around or do any other kind of sightseeing activity. Yeah, that's a super common one for people when they realize with a light pack and running that you can go like three times as far as hiking with a heavy pack. Mm -hmm. Was there any struggle mentally giving up that sort of career track race that you feel in the city? Like, I feel like that would be a pretty challenging adjustment. It definitely was. It was something that I wrestled with for a year or two, but a few things happened at the same time. So, you know, I had my, my child and then also the pandemic hit. And I really think it made me reprioritize what I wanted for my life. And what became most important was, the things that brought me joy. So it was the time with my family, with my friends, time spent outside and time for myself. And all of that gelled around, you know, I can't be working 50 or 60 hours a week. I can't be traveling all the time. And I don't want to be in a city that no longer brings me joy. So when I had that crystallization of what I wanted my life to look like, 
it made it easier to recognize, okay, so maybe this, you know, senior title and this ton of responsibility doesn't jive with that and that's okay. But it was still hard on the ego. You know, we do still often introduce ourselves first by, oh, so what do you do? And it's nice to have a job that sounds fancy at a company that sounds fancy. But if that's not bringing you joy, then what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's just, it's an interesting mindset to to get to and kind of flip-flop back and forth, I find. But yeah. One of the things I want to talk about that probably if you're listening from the States or somewhere, maybe you don't quite understand, Vancouver, it's near the outdoors, but it's still a city. And Nelson is like, I went there for work. I have some accounts there for a sales job that I used to do and went running by myself. And we are talking like serious backcountry where I was nervous and turned around at one point. And I have been to some crazy places in the North Shore and up by Whistler, but realizing how remote I was up there and the Grizzlies for one um, (laughs) was way different. So especially if you're kind of newer to the sport, what was it like dealing with just the safety issues and the wildlife and not knowing anyone because you're new to town uh, to getting out there? Yeah, there's a few things. So one is I am generally pretty well prepared only because I always have this voice in my head that thinks if you had to get rescued, would they think that, you know, oh, you're one of those silly people that went out with no water and no tennis shoes or wearing tennis shoes. I didn't want to be someone like written about in the news in that way. So I would always have, you know, enough water. I would have snacks. I would have told someone exactly where I was going. And then also after my first summer here, I did start carrying like bear spray religiously because you're right. It's not just black bears here. We do have grizzlies. And I think last year I saw 12 bears, not grizzlies, but I saw 12 black bears. So I always have bear spray, but I do think, you know, after my recent experience last week, there's more that I can do to be safer because it was quite eye opening about the kinds of things that can happen, you know, in the backcountry, even if you're not by yourself. Yeah. So I was going to talk about that after the race, but that was kind of a good segue anyway. So let's tell us a bit about what did happen last week. Yeah. So I went on a run. Uh, I had seen someone on Strava do this route that I hadn't tried before up in our local ski hill, which is called Whitewater. And I'd done the first segment of it, the first peak I'd done before as a run and as a hike. So I knew that terrain really well. And then I had done like the last section of it as a hike as well. And then there was a connecting trail that I'd never done. So I asked a friend of mine to go with me. You know, we geared up, we headed out there on Thursday, last Thursday, and we went up and it was, you know, beautiful and technical and steep and fun. And then we got to that new section that I hadn't been to and it pretty quickly turned into, you know, traversing some boulder fields and then a scramble and then a scramble on a really narrow ridge line. And at one point, my dog, who is a total mountain goat, she couldn't go any further. She was too scared to go further because it was just such a sheer drop on either side of a fairly tight um, scramble. And so we decided to turn around. And after we turned around and were kind of traversing the side of this ridgeline on a bit of a ledge, I went to climb up and two big slabs of rock came down. And they, you know, hit my legs and the first one really banged 
me at kind of into this cliff face and the second one snapped my knee. So it knocked me down, kind of bounced off and pretty much immediately I realized, okay, I must have done something to my knee because I can't bear any weight on it. And at this point, you know, we're about eight kilometers away from the trailhead, maybe about a thousand meters in elevation on this really rough technical alpine boulder field ridgeline. And so I knew I would have to get myself to a safer spot and then we would have to get some help. So I climbed up with her help kind of to the the center of the ridgeline. We decided she was going to go for help because we didn't have cell phone service and we didn't have a spot device. So she was going to go run for help and I was going to either stay put if I felt like I was, you know, in a good position or I would try to self-evacuate, but down the same trail so that any kind of help coming up would, would find me. So that was our plan. She took off. I start butt scooching because I, I couldn't walk kind of along this scramble incredibly slowly. And after about an hour, I ran into a hiker. He started helping me. And then maybe 20 minutes after that, so the first people came up for my rescue and they were part of the trail crew there. They had a inflatable splint that they put on my leg. And then the search and rescue team came in with a helicopter, had to cut down some trees to make it a accessible point. And then I got airlifted uh, to the hospital. So that was last week. That is, um, yeah, I mean, there's not really any words. It's <laughs> epic, but it also is like a very textbook rescue. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you talked before about making sure that if you did get rescued, you'd have everything you needed. So obviously you had food, extra clothes, I'm sure an emergency blanket. Um, yes. And so things went wrong, but they also then went according to plan if they did go wrong, which is really thankful. Yeah, I think the only thing that I would do differently or that I will do differently when I'm able to get back out there is to definitely bring, you know, a Garmin inReach or some kind of satellite device because yeah. I had moments of service. So I could tell, you know, my husband where I was that he could arrange to get our kid from daycare, possibly come up to get me because, you know, I had our vehicle up there. Uh, but then when I lost service, you know, we had no way of being in contact with each other. I had no way of being in contact with that friend that had gone for help. And then also I had no way of being in contact with search and rescue as they were kind of organizing the the search. Do you think, well, have you spoken to your husband about it since? And I know you guys have a small kid. What is his comfort level with you being out in situations like this and yours going back into it? Yeah, that's an interesting question and kind of a, a sticky point right now. He feels that I was beyond perhaps my skill level or that I was somewhere that was riskier than I should have been. I don't know if I feel that way because I do feel, you know, we did turn around when we felt like it wasn't safe. And, you know, it's dangerous in the backcountry and accidents can happen. And I think they can happen to anyone, no matter what. So it is a challenge trying to find that balanced approach to risk because I, I don't want to not be able to ever go into the backcountry just because something could happen because something is as likely to happen, you know, in a car driving around the city or doing any other activity. But it is, it is an extra weight. You're right. When you do have a child and you are doing things that maybe are somewhat dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting balance. Cause you're exactly right. Like 
I have had two friends that are about as highly certified as you can get that have died in the backcountry. And it's yes. everything was safe, but accidents happen. And it's like, you can bubble wrap yourself and not live, or you can do the best that you can and still enjoy life. But I, my husband backcountry skis in some very dangerous places. And I think it's this like mix of trusting him, but also it's when it's, when you're out there, it's one thing when it's out of your control and it's your partner out there. It's a, it's another thing to struggle with, I think. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally get that. So let's back up a bit. You get to Nelson, you start trail running. What was it about actually doing a trail race and Broken Goat in particular that motivated you to sign up? So I was pretty, pretty quickly after I got here, I made a lot of great friends. It's a nice thing about being in a small town. It's quite easy to make friends. And a lot of those friends were runners, uh, or at least the ones that weren't mountain bikers. And mountain biking is not something I'm interested in particularly right now. So I was like, okay, like running is my thing. I've already got a base. Let's just see how it goes. So I started running more and, and everyone started talking about the races they were doing and, and where they were going. And so I actually found out about Broken Goat over a year ago, but it sells out really fast. Like it is an absolutely beautiful trail and it's also the only organized trail race in the area. So I think it sells out within maybe three hours. So I had missed that first year and I was like, okay, so let's do it as something to look forward to. So I'd planned to do it for quite a long time, signed up, and I really just wanted to have a goal. Like I, I wasn't going to push myself too hard because I do know that overtraining is a real risk with new runners. I don't have, you know, this amazing athletic conditioning from a lifetime in sport. So I wanted to work up to something that was within reach, but that I, I could set some modest goals for, for myself. Just want to take a quick second to thank our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by AG1. So as you guys know, I have been taking AG1 as the most diligent supplement for over a year. And the impact has been fantastic, mainly on my gut health, my recovery, and my sleep. So instead of having an entire cabinet full of various pills that I would take a little bit, but not a lot, and couldn't get into a routine consistently, I now have one thing that I have to do every day that is a daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports my whole body. So... My favorite part is that I was looking for a greens powder for so long and I finally found one that actually tastes good. So I also recommended it to my hairdresser for her teenage daughter who refuses vegetables and normally wouldn't drink anything green. And she says her daughter has now been taking it for three months because it actually tastes good in her smoothie. So if a picky teenager will do it, anybody can. So I drink it first thing in the morning before my workout, before my coffee, and it makes me feel like I have just covered off all my bases for everything that I need for good digestion to feel like I'm ready to take on the day, whether it be work, working out, or a mixture of both. And my very favorite part is that it costs less than $3 a day, which is less than my coffee, that's for sure. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from a supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to drinkag1.com backslash TRWP. That's drinkag1.com backslash TRWP to check it out. 
Yeah, modest. Uh, that's sort of funny because <laughs> tell everybody the distance and the elevation and the terrain of this modest race you chose. Yeah, so it was I did the 25K distance and I think it was about a thousand meter elevation gain. I actually can't remember now, which is funny, but there's been so many since then. Uh, <laughs> so I think that was it. And then I my goal was to be somewhere in the middle. So I had no aspirations of being, you know, the front of the pot, but I wanted to be somewhere in the middle. And I think I ended up basically exactly at the middle point of the the entrance. I was happy with that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, especially having started like 25K, 1,000 meters is approximately 3,000 feet is that's a base that does take a long time to feel comfortable with. So going mm-hmm. into the race, what do you think you were most nervous about? I think I was most nervous about not nervous, but I, I do have this natural tendency to not push it or to not really trust in my abilities because I, you know, I, I don't like doing things that aren't, that are hard for the most part. Like it's really, it's really challenging me for me to push through it. So I wanted to do my best to, to the best of my ability. And I didn't know if I'd be able to, and I am relatively happy with how it turned out. Like I do think, you know, I kept up a good pace. My heart rate was up. Like I was working hard. But I feel like in the last third or maybe the last quarter, I gave up a little bit mentally. Uh, And I think that's where I would have liked to have tried a little harder because I think I had more in the tank. Oh, that's such a good point (laughs) because that is part of the addiction of running is Mm -hmm. when you're in it, you think it's easy to convince yourself like, okay, I'm, I'm pushing or I'm moving or not really let yourself believe that maybe you've, you're taking it easy. And then always in hindsight, you're like, oh, there was more in there. Mm -hmm. So I need to try again. And that happens to me no matter where I place in the race. Um, It's so interesting how that happens. And I think to do that after your first race and know that is super cool because it just means you get to keep coming back and getting excited about it. Mm -hmm. Do you think there was a particular time in the race where you had a big low, uh, physically or mentally? Yeah, definitely. That, that last third. So broken goat, it's along the seven summits trail in Roslyn, BC, which is a famous mountain biking trail. And so the first like 10 kilometers is a pretty steady climb. And I feel like I did fairly well with that. And then there's kind of beautiful single track bridge line, uh, which again, I feel like pretty comfortable with that. Where I think it all fell apart is there is one short section, but feels long, of running down like a fire road or a cat track that Mm. is steep enough that it's painful on your knees and loose enough rock and sand that it's unstable, which I'm not great at. Like I'm not great at trusting my feet. And it was so hot. Like at this point, like the sun is just beating down on you. You're already tired because, you know, you're 20K in and there's this section that just killed me emotionally. So I think that's what did it. <laughs> was there ever a part where you thought like, maybe I'll just not finish this? No, because I had been reasonable with my goals. Like I knew if I had to hike sections, which I didn't, it would be fine. I just wanted to keep moving. So really that's what I did. I knew if I just kept moving at a fairly quick clip, whether it was, you know, power hiking or running, I would be within my goal. And so it, it, I always knew I would finish unless I injured myself, but it was just like how I would finish. Yeah, for sure. And I know exactly the type of road that you're talking about. And it just feels like mm-hmm. it, they will never 
end, oh, especially in that moment <laughs> where you're just like, yes. you're not like chatting with friends. You're just focused on like every hundred meters that you go. It was. And it was quite fun because everyone, like the 25K runners as well as the 50K runners were along this stretch at around the same time. And so you'd be running down this lane with these strangers and people periodically just yell out, this sucks. Like, oh, this sucks. Because it was just such a terrible stretch. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I love the shared struggle. And then you get to the finish line and you feel like you've had this amazing adventure with other people. Yes. Okay. So what do you think was your favorite part of the race? I think it was being with that large group of people all kind of doing the thing. Like you're right. It's, it's sharing that struggle. The race director kept saying struggle is a privilege. And that I really related to that because, you know, there's lots of people that can't get out there for these epic days outside and, and what a privilege it is to be able to choose to do this and, and and to be physically able to do that. So I loved that. And then I also loved, that ridgeline, you know, just being somewhere so beautiful and having gotten there on your own two feet and, you know, fairly quickly, it was really, felt really good. And then I'd say the other piece is just recognizing that I could do it because, you know, I have gained confidence in going out with other runners, but I'm generally kind of the slowest and I'm generally like really huffing and puffing to keep up with all the other runners in the community So to be out there with people that are runners, because they all signed up for this, you know, epic trail race and to recognize that I am middle of the pack, that like I'm good enough, you know, I I can do it was really eye-opening. But I was like, oh, maybe I actually am a runner now. Yeah. Isn't that fun? I love that realization. And then, I mean, I was reading your post about it and it's exactly what happens is you finish this and then it's like, you realize what you're capable of and you sign up for a 50K. Mm -hmm. I know. (laughs) So when you're in those lows or in that suffering, do you have any tools that you use to get yourself through that mentally? I don't feel like I do. I did, like, I consider myself a fairly strong person mentally generally. Like, you know, I've been through quite a lot in my personal life, as you know. And so I do, I guess I know I can get through anything which might help. But where I do struggle and something that I want to learn from, you know, you or more experienced runners is, when it gets hard physically, the easiest thing to do is stop, like to, to walk, to hike. And so I do think it's, it's, it's still hard for me to just keep my feet going, to not let my brain tell me it's harder than it is. Yeah. That is one of the funnest parts. Um, <laughs> I, know, I know that sounds so crazy, right? But it's like, because when you, like you talk about privilege and getting to that point is such a privilege. Like that's the edge of your comfort zone. So we never get to get to that edge and then get to play in that zone. And that's what trail running can do for you. And then you get to get to that point where your mind is basically giving up and telling your feet to stop and you get to push that boundary and tell them, you know, tell yourself that that's not the truth and expand that comfort zone. And then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it translates to other parts of your life. And I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the coolest crossovers from the sport. Totally. So moving forward, provided your knee heals well, which I'm, I'm sure it will. I know you're still fresh off and not feeling great, but the, the body's pretty amazing. And I'm hoping soon you're up and ready. What 50K are you hoping to do next year? Oh, I have a couple options. So I was supposed to do like a 27K in September uh, that I've had to 
defer. So it's called Freaky Creaky and it's near Vernon. And so I might see if I could try to do the 50K there as an option. The one I was originally thinking about is, I can't remember the name of it, but it's in Manning Park and it's around Mount Frosty. So you're probably familiar. Frosty Frosty Mountain 50K. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in like September or something. So I was really eyeing that because I love that region, but it also is quite technical from my gathering. And, you know, it's got a really high list of required gear. It's a smaller race. I think it's a little more rustic. And so to be honest, I'm feeling kind of nervous just having been, you know, out on a more technical, less marked, more scrambly Alpine course and getting, getting injured. So I, I might defer to something that's a little more accessible, a little less elevation, a little less Alpine, but I'll see how I feel. I'm going to give myself some time to see how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself time to digest and yeah. See how you feel. Do you think your son understands kind of what you're doing or is motivated at all? I know he's quite young, but they're always watching. They are always watching. I hope that he's getting a couple lessons from it. Like I hope that he's getting the importance of doing something for yourself. You know, like just having something like giving space to things that bring you joy, I think is a really important lesson for people to have. So that's kind of the more ambiguous thing from a more practical or like realistic standpoint. He definitely knows that I, I run and I race because when I picked him up from daycare right after that race, one of his little school friends asked me if I won, <laughs> asked if I won the race. And I explained, you know, oh, no, I didn't win this one, but I'm very proud of myself for what I did. And then this, you know, five-year-old's like, oh, I would have run. I win all the races. I win adult races. So maybe he'll be on the podium next year. <laughs> yeah, they don't, the kids don't lie to you, do they? No. <laughs> oh, no trophies for you. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> So as a beginner runner, I mean, not a beginner anymore, but a first trail race, um, and especially going, like we talked about, to the type of terrain from the city, so many of the questions we get are how to do that. So if you had kind of like your top two pieces of advice for somebody who wants to get involved in trail running, wants to sign up for that first race, but they're just feeling really nervous and held back um, either by their physical uh, state of fitness or just the fears around the unknown, what kind of advice do you have to those people to get out there and try it? I think the, the thing that was the most impactful for me is realizing everybody hikes the uphills. Like maybe not if you're an elite athlete, but I would say, you know, 75% plus of the people that I run with, or even the people that I saw at the race, they would hike the uphills And that was just mind blowing to me because I always felt like, oh, if you're not running the whole time, you're not a runner, but that's not what trail running is. Like there are sections that are too technical to run. There are sections that are too steep to run. You know, it's better to conserve your energy for things that you know you'll be more efficient at later. So knowing that I was allowed to run or that I was allowed to walk or hike was amazing. And I think the other piece of advice was... (laughs) to manage your nutrition, you know, technically is the way to say it. I like to think it was just have enough snacks and just to always be kind of making sure you're drinking enough and eating enough because it is really easy to, to go for long distances and not take care of your body in that way. That's so funny. Those are so 
those are advanced pieces of advice. Um, <laughs> and that one, like that one is so common where you're like, oh, it's really only that people on Instagram look like they're running up hills. Like, mm-hmm. right, maybe some elite runners, but probably they're even in races tough enough where it's steep enough that they're power hiking. I mean, look at the Barkley Marathons. Nobody's running yes. up the like Ratcliffe section or whatever it's called. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right. So it becomes this almost this like math equation in a really long race of like, where do I utilize my energy? Where am I going to make the most gains on the race efficiently and finish strong? And that's how the race is won and experience and people can be older in these runners. It's not just this like physical power. So in that sense, it's a really fun problem to solve in a way too. Um, And then the other one, yeah, like, Sometimes people are like, oh, I just felt sad on my run. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to feel sad if you don't eat enough. You don't have enough snacks. <laughs> Maybe you don't feel hungry because you're working hard, but mm-hmm. you'll get signals. So um, yes. I love that you said those two things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So moving forward, super long-term, last few questions. Do you have a bucket list goal race or goal distance for say like five years from now? Ooh, that's a tough one. Like I think I'm going to, the 50 K I feel like would feel pretty significant for me beyond that. I don't want to even speculate only because I do still have a young child and I know the time commitments required to do, you know, like a hundred K are quite significant. So I don't know if I would even like maybe when he's a little bit older, I would try to do that as a retirement gift to myself. But for now, I think it's doing the 50 K. I would also like to get faster, I think, at some shorter distances, just as a way to kind of switch up my training to get a faster time on like a 10K or a 5K would be uh, inspiring. And then I also would love to do some fast packing style, like maybe like a two day. So like the West Coast Trail as like a fast pack or something like the Rockwall Trail in the Rockies. There's just so many beautiful trails around that I want to see how many of them I can do as quickly as I can within my limits. Yeah, those are great goals. And I think the thing is for the even longer stuff, you do a couple 50 Ks and you got your base in there. It honestly, it doesn't get that much different. You don't start running like 60 K long runs. It's just all, it's all a nice, easy build. So I'm definitely going to see if I can twist your arm into something. (laughs) Um, so we're almost out of time. I know we had to kind of be quick here today, but there was so much fun tidbits in that. So thank you so much for your time. Um, last two questions that I like to ask everybody. First of all, post-race meal after Broken Goat, what were you craving? So my husband is the chef in our family. He's an amazing, amazing cook. And he has an outdoor pizza oven. And so I think I told him I want, I want pizza. So we had a lot of pizza that night. Yeah, that's fair. That's a common one. The like salty cheese carbs is you can't go wrong. And if you could describe trail running in three words, what would they be? Hmm. Peaceful, inspiring, hard. (laughs) And not always hard, but there's definitely the parts that are the struggle. Maybe struggle is more appropriate because it's, it's a good hard. It's a pushing your limits hard. It's not a bad hard. Yes, totally. It's funny. Like I've asked so many people that and I always get unique answers and nobody said peaceful before, but I a hundred percent can relate to that. 
So if anybody wants to find more from you or reach out or maybe lives in Nelson, do you have an Instagram or anything you're comfortable sharing? And no worries if not. Yeah, I actually don't. I got rid of Instagram. So I'm I'm incognito unless you find oh, me on nice. Strava. Wow. <laughs> oh, no phones, no Instagram. Life is good for you. It sure is. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to uh, seeing what you're capable of and best of luck with your recovery. And I'm really sorry about your current injury, but I'm sure you'll be better soon. Thank you. I appreciate that.